You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Together we can. Together we have the ability to impact our world. Together we have the ability, like the body of Christ coming together, we have an opportunity to see God's kingdom established here in the Lake Norman community. Together we can. Together we can enjoy more life. We can be more effective. I mean, together we can. Together we're better. That's what I believe. That's what I know. But this is what I also know. I've been in the church long enough, 51 years now. Born on Wednesday and church on Sunday, 51 years I've been in the church. And what, this is one of the things I've come to discover about the church, whether we're talking about the Presbyterian church, the Methodist church, the Baptist church, or Grace Covenant church. This is one of the things I've come to discover about the church. We're better together, but we're challenged with, with together. Would you agree with that? We're challenged when it comes to this whole concept of, of being together. In the midst of our diversity, we're challenged when it comes to this concept of unity. Yet it's unity that God desires of us as His church. There's a, there's a funny story that illustrates the reality of the challenge that we have with unity. Because it's not just a challenge in the world. I think we can look at the world and say, hey, the world's challenged when it comes to diversity. And that would certainly be true. But I think it's not just a problem in the world. It's a problem that's in the church, even at Grace Covenant Church. Here's a story that illustrates this reality. There were six men who were shipwrecked on a deserted island. Two were Jewish, two were Catholic, and two were Baptist. The two Jews founded Temple Emmanuel. Two Catholics organized Church of the Holy Name. The two Baptists broke ground on First Baptist Church and Second Baptist Church. Six men on a deserted island, four different places of worship for six men. We're challenged when it comes to unity in the midst of our diversity. When we hear this word unity uh, in the midst of diversity, probably the first thing that comes to our mind is ethnicity. At least that's the first thing that comes to my mind. When I hear unity and diversity, I think about different races coming together. And certainly we need unity in the midst of diversity as it relates to ethnicity. I think we're challenged. Certainly in the church, in our community, recent days of what's happened in our city, if you follow the news of what's happening, we've had some pretty contentious times around um, the differences of race and differences of perspective and, and opinion. So, so here today, I mean, just look around the room here today, we would have um, a lot of different ethnicities represented. I don't know how many nations we probably have 30 different nations represented in this room today. Uh, so we have difference of ethnicity, but not only do we have difference of ethnicity, we also have like this difference of political views. Have you noticed that? Yeah, in this room today, we have Republicans and Democrats. The Republicans are sitting on this side. If you're wondering, Democrats are sitting on this side. So in case you've gotten the wrong seat, you might want to get up and move right now. But it is a reality. Here at Grace Covenant, with a group of folks who really love Jesus, we have different political positions. We have Republicans and Democrats. And we elect leaders, Republicans and Democrats, who can't work together for the good of our nation. But there's, there's division. There's strife. There's, there's different perspective. I mean, we have individuals who would say, hey, the best thing that's ever happened to our nation is the election of Donald Trump is president. And then we have other folks who say, no, that's the worst thing that could have ever happened for our nation. I was doing some eavesdropping the other day, which I often do in case you're wondering. 
I was listening to a conversation that was happening in the hall amongst individuals at Grace Covenant, and I heard one individual say, well, Donald Trump, he is of the devil. And then I heard someone else say in the same conversation, no, he's the man of God for the hour. And I'm like, which one is he? Is he the devil or is he the man of God for the hour? The reality is in, in this place, in this body of Christ, but we have we have different perspective when it comes to, to political issues. And, and if we're not careful, those different perspectives can keep us divided, working against each other rather than working together, right? Not only do we have political division that we have to learn to navigate, but we also have generational division. I mean, one of the great things about Grace Covenant is like we're a body of believers that's made up of all different generations. How I many of you, that's good. That's one of the good things about Grace Covenant. Let me tell you one of the bad things about Grace Covenant. We are a church made up of a lot of different generations. So what does that mean? It means that there's individuals who have different perspectives. I mean, you should just hear some of the conversations I get to have every week about worship. Some say it's too loud. Some say it's not loud enough. Some want more, some want less. But we all have different perspectives, and if we're not careful, the different perspectives can, can bring division. I was just in a conversation this week with a millennial about a theological issue, and it was amazing what a different perspective we had on the same issue. Now, this was a young man who loves Jesus, and obviously I love Jesus, so we both love Jesus. We're looking at the same theological issue, and we have really different perspectives. But it's a difference of generation. And again, if we're not careful in the diversity of generation in the life of our church family, we can find ourselves divided. And it's not just it's not just generational differences. We also have this thing called personality differences that we're navigating. Like I'm I'm type A driven. Like get out of my way, I'm gonna run you over, right? And for those who are all about relationship and they just want to talk about it, they really bother me. Because <laughs> I don't want to just talk about it. I want to do something about it. But they think talking about it is better. And, and again, is it right or wrong? It's really not a right or wrong. It's a difference of personality. So how many of you know, here at Grace Covenant, we have a lot of different personalities, right? And oftentimes it's our personalities that create the tension. Because of how we view the world through our personalities. This probably most manifests itself in the marriage relationship. We know that husband and wife are called to be united, right? And to stay united. Are you with me? To be united and to stay united. Yet this is what often happens in marriage relationships. I talk with people about this all the time. This is what happens. Opposites attract. You've probably heard this line before. Opposites attract and then they attack. But it's a difference of personality. And oftentimes the difference of personality in this marriage relationship where there's supposed to be unity, the difference of personality creates strife and tension and division, even at times, sadly to say, leading to divorce. This is what I know, even here at Grace Covenant, even here in this body of believers, we're challenged with this whole concept of together. We'd like to talk about Unity, but the challenge is finding unity in the midst of the diversity that we enjoy. However, as Christ followers, we're called to live in unity. We're going to look at several verses, so keep your Bibles handy this morning that speak of this reality. But it's important for us to understand as we begin the conversation today that unity is not uniformity. 
Unity is not uniformity. We're, we're not all called to look alike. And you say amen to that. You don't have to look like me. Isn't that good news? We're not all called to look alike, to talk alike, to walk the same way, or, or, even, or even to agree on all issues at hand. So unity is not uniformity. But it's the challenge, it's the challenge for us to maintain coherence and unity within a diverse body. So we want to be those who celebrate our diversity while we're working toward unity. Let me say that again. Who do we want to be? As a body of believers, as Grace Covenant Church, we want to be those who celebrate diversity while we are working toward this concept of unity. There's a great story of a pastor who was doing a children's sermon and, and he was speaking to the children, had all the children gathered around. He was speaking to them about the need for unity in the church. And the pastor looked at the children and he emphasized, and God wants us to be one. At that point, there was a four-year-old in the group that spoke up with great emphasis. He said, I've already been one. I want to be five. <laughs> well, the one that God is calling us to is not about age, but it's really about how we process life. What does God want? For us, not just Grace Covenant Church, but the church at large, the body of Christ at large. What does God desire for us? And it's this, that we would be one. See, diversity is by God's design. Unity is God's desire. Diversity is by His design. Unity is His desire. I mean, just think about the creation. Think about how God brought about creation. Let's talk first about the animals. I mean, think about the diversity. I mean, God could have made all the animals alike. And it would have been what? Really boring, right? So what he, he created all of this diversity. I mean, think about it. Think about the giraffe and the hippo. Would you agree there's a few differences? Yeah. Think about the cat and the dog. Think about the elephant and the monkey. Listen, they're all animals, but they're all really different. Why? Because God made them that way by His design. And it's the same. It's the same as we think of humanity. It's the same as we think of the body of Christ. When God made us all really different, diversity is by His choice and His design. I mean, just look around the room today. What do we have here today? We have, we have tall people, right? And we have short people. Right? We have skinny people and we have people that are a little more fuller. (laughs) Right? We have people with dark colored skin. We have people with light colored skin. And we have everyone in between. And hear me, it's by God's design. By God's design, He created diversity. And this is what He said it's good. So diversity is God's design. Unity is God's desire. We see this played out in several passages of Scripture. First look with me to Psalm 133. A great passage of Scripture. Psalm 133. It's on the screen. Hopefully you have it there before you. Since it's on the screen, why don't we read this together? Read this with me. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in what? In unity. Three things we pick up from this passage of Scripture. The first is this, God applauds unity. 
He celebrates unity. Notice the scripture says how good and pleasant it is when we come together, when we stand united in the midst of our diversity. Not only does God applaud unity, but if you look on at this passage of scripture, it's there that God pours out his Holy Spirit. Where? Where we are united, when we're standing together. The scripture speaks of the oil poured on Aaron's head, running down on his beard. That is a symbolic picture of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All in Scripture is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So where does God pour out His Spirit? Where does revival and reformation happen? It's when we set aside our differences and we stand together united as the body of Christ. And then the Scripture goes on to say that God blesses. What does He bless? He blesses unity. If you look at the last part, verse 3 says, When we stand united, for there God bestows His blessing... Even life forevermore. Where does it happen? It happens when we stand united in the midst of our diversity. God desires what? He desires unity, not division. And division creates a problem. Let me talk about the other side of the coin for a minute. What happens when we're divided as a body of believers? What happens when we as the church are not standing united or the larger body of Christ, bringing in other denominations. What happens when we're divided? I, I, I think first we're limited in our ability. Because what we can do more together, but if we're not united, we're not working together. So it, it's a given. We're limited in our ability. I, I think a second challenge of division is this. The ugly of humanity surfaces where we have division. Have you noticed that? Like husband and wife love each other, but they get into fight. How I many of you know they say things that they normally wouldn't say, and sometimes it's ugly, right? Come on, don't look so holy. You, it happened in your home just this week. What well, ugly showed up, right? In the midst of division. It happens in our lives. When, when there's division, man, the bad part of us reveals itself. I, I think division... Where there's division, there's also the reality that we attack others instead of loving others. We're on the attack mode. Where there's division, the kingdom of God suffers. God's work's not being carried out. Why? Because we're divided. I mean, when we have the Presbyterian folks fighting against the Methodist folk, and we have the Pentecostal folks fighting against the Baptist folks, then we're all one family. How many of you know God's kingdom suffers? But it's true for a specific body of Christ like Grace Covenant. When we're divided, God's kingdom suffers. I, I saw this about, I don't know, five, six years ago. I had a, a really close pastor friend who was pastoring a church. He was leading a church. And within the church, there came this great divide. So there was internal conflict in the church between the pastors and the elder, the, uh, between the pastor and the elders in the church. And because the elders held such power in the church on the session, there was like this gridlock. And it happened for two plus years. And this church that I was, because I was good friends with the pastor, I kind of had the inside story on this. This church became so busy with their infighting, with the conflict, with the division that was happening in the church. Guess what they were not effective in doing? Impacting the community. In other words, the very mission that they were called to was not happening. God's kingdom was not being extended. Why? Because of division. In the church, they were so divided, they couldn't be about the mission that God called them to. 
And there's no doubt about it. Division is destructive in the church. That's why, that's why it's God's desire that, that we are united. That's why Jesus prayed these words. Look with me to John 17. John 17, Jesus is here in Gethsemane just before, just before going to the cross. And I want you to listen to the words that he prayed. John chapter 17, I want to pick up with verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, being the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Notice what he prays, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent them. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So here's Jesus literally hours before going to the cross. And he's praying this passionate prayer. What I want you to notice is what he doesn't pray for. He doesn't pray that the church would be prosperous and happy. He doesn't even pray that we would be overcomers. Notice what Jesus prays. The priority of Jesus' prayer is that his church would be what? One. That his church would be united. Was the pri- so the priority of Jesus' prayer is that we as the body of Christ would be united. That we would be able to move beyond our differences. That we would be able to live out love in such a way that we're overlooking the faults of others and the offenses of others. And that we're living out grace. So the, the priority of Jesus' prayer just before going to the cross was that the church would be united. The church would be one. And he goes on to say, as the church is united, this is what we become. We become a a living testimony. We become a witness to the world. We become a witness to the reality of Christ. When? When we're united, when we're standing together. The world looks and says, hey, they're not living selfish. They're not living self-centered. They're not fighting amongst themselves. They're actually serving each other, working for the good of each other. There must be something really different about those folks. Jesus said, what? Our lives scream out. We become a living testimony. When? When we as the body of Christ are standing together. When we're united. So here's a good question this morning. How can we maintain unity in the midst of our diversity? How can we stand united? How can we be one? I mean, look around the room. We've got a lot of different folk in the room today. How can we... How can we maintain unity? How can we move together? How can we, how can we come together? We look different. We think different. We have different passions, different perspectives. So how can we stand united? The Apostle Paul gives us some great insight. So as I wrap this up this morning, let me leave you with a few thoughts as to how we can accomplish what God desires. It's clear for me in Scripture. What does God desire? He desires that we as church be united, that Grace Covenant Church be united. So how can we get there? Listen to what Paul wrote. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Notice verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. One. So how can we, how can we walk in unity in the midst of our diversity? When we have black folks and white folks, when we have Indian folks and Hispanic folks, how can we walk in unity when we have Republicans and Democrats who are worshiping together? How can we walk in unity when we have so many different views about the return of Christ, how it's going to happen, when, it, when is it going to happen? How can we have unity in the midst of our diversity? Paul gives us four directives. The first one is this, is that love must lead the way. Listen, this is what I'm convinced of this morning. We'll never get to unity without love. Can't get there. It's love, it's agape love that leads the way to you. When we begin to live out love within this body, rather than just talking about love, when we truly begin to live love, what's the natural result? The natural result is unity. We're walking together. Why? Because we, we love each other. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat or what other views you might have that's different than mine. Because I love you, I'm committed to walking with you. Because I love you, I want what's best for you. I'm not living for myself. One, because I love. Because we love. It's love that empowers us, that enables us to come to a place of unity. It's a great story. A couple was celebrating their 60th anniversary. They were having an anniversary party. In the midst of their anniversary party, someone asked the man, Sir, how did you, how did you put up with that woman for 60 years? And like, it seems like y'all are so happy. There's so much joy. There's, there's been so much fun in the experience of 60 years of marriage. And get this, the man in his wisdom said, a long time ago, actually when we first got married, I made a decision. This is a decision I made, is that I was going to overlook my wife's faults and I was going to serve her outrageously. And he says, it's that that's made all the difference. What was he saying? Basically this. I chose to love my wife. Therefore, we had unity. Not that we didn't have challenges. Not that we didn't have problems. But we had unity. Why? Because there was a presence of love. And when we begin to live out love like the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 13, then we, we come to unity. Listen to how Paul describes love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. How many of you believe that we can get to unity when we live this out? We're patient and we're kind. Man, we're not trying to promote ourselves. We're not trying to make ourselves look good. We're not trying to win. So if we're, going to, if we're going to walk in unity, according to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, first thing, first thing is this, is love must lead the way. Here's the second thing. 
The second directive he gives us to build unity is we must operate out of humility. Operate out of humility. So, what's humility? If you, if you look back to verse 2, Paul wrote, be completely humble. Completely, fully humble. So what does it mean to be humble? You know, oftentimes I think we, we have a wrong understanding of humility. We think humility is, well, I'm, you know, I've got to think less of me. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's really think of, thinking of yourself less as you're giving yourself in service to others. That's what humility is. That's what true humility is. In other words, I'm not living for me. I'm not fighting for me. I'm laying myself down for the benefit of others. If we're going to get to humility, that I mean, if we're going to get to unity, we have to operate out of humility. Listen, as long as you're operating out of pride and arrogance that says you're all that you are right and that no one can tell you anything, bless God, I have my rights. I'm an American. Can I tell you that before you were an American, you're a follower of Jesus Christ? And when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is what you were called to do. You were called to lay down your rights. We're going to follow Christ. Then we're going to embrace this way of humility. And as we embrace this way of humility, as we operate out of humility, then what we can come to unity. Why? Because I'm more concerned about Chris than I am Pharaoh. I'm more concerned about what he wants than I am what I want. How many of you know that produces like the right environment for, for unity? Matter of fact, Paul wrote about this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says, consider the interests of others better than yourselves. Don't look only to your interests. He says, but also look to the interests of others. So when we get to, humili- we get to unity when we operate out of humility. Here's a third directive that Paul gives us. If we're going to stand united in the midst of our diversity, the third directive he gives us is this. We need to respect one another. We need to choose to be respectful. If you look back to verse 2, Paul says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So be gentle and patient. So what does it mean to be respectful? To be, to be respectful means that I honor others. If I honor others, then what? I take time to really listen to what they're saying. I don't want them just to hear what I'm saying. I want to truly hear what they're saying. That's respect. It's respecting others. So Paul says here we need to be patient and gentle. I, I recall a conversation I had some some time back with, with a pastor who had, who had a, a really different theological view than I had. It was what I would consider a non-essential. It wasn't an essential of the faith. It was a non-essential. But we had uh, quite a difference of opinion. And we engaged in a vigorous conversation. Some might call it a debate. But for me, it was vigorous conversation about this theological issue, and we kept our conversation about the issue. In other words, it never became personal. It wasn't at a point I turned the table and I began to attack him. No, we kept it on the issue. And as we came to the end of our conversation, neither one of us had moved from our position. He still had his position. I still had my position. We were in different places. 
as to how we viewed this theological position. But at the end of the day, this is what we came to. We serve the same God and we're on the same team and we're about the same mission. Therefore, we can partner together. But it was, it was respect. So we don't have to all agree. We can agree to disagree. But in the midst of that, how many of you know we need to be respectful? We need to honor, we need to honor others as we're engaging in the conversation. Now, I believe you need to take a stand. You need to take a stand for what you believe based on truth. But as we take a stand, how many know there's a right way to take a stand and there's a wrong way to take a stand? But we want to be respectful. And here's the last thing, that, the last directive that Paul gives us as we're working toward unity is this. We want to value differences instead of judging differences. We want to value people instead of judging people. The last part of verse 2 says, bearing with one another in love. What does it mean to bear with one another? It means this, I put up with your junk. And you put up with my junk. I suffer long with you, and you suffer long with me. That's what it means to bear with one another. To bear with one another means that we're patient. We're patient with one another. To bear with one another means that we we choose to overlook the faults of others. To bear with one another means that we value individuals even if we disagree with their position. To value means that we celebrate. We celebrate the differences instead of judging the differences. When my wife and I were first married... Um, about 30 years ago, I was really naive. Some might even call me stupid. Um, I thought we got married and my job was to fix her. For those of you who don't know my wife and I well, talk about diversity. We both have the same color of skin. Outside of that, it's really diverse. And so I went about the first couple years of our marriage trying to fix her. I was trying to correct her because she was really different than I was. And I thought she needed to be more like me, uh, which would have been really boring. Um, and so I was trying to fix her. And i, I got to tell you, it created a lot of tension, a lot of strife, a lot of division. Why? Because I was judging her differences, not celebrating her differences. And I, I came to a, like a, I don't know, it's like I came to my senses one day and I thought the very reason I was attracted to her because of, was because of who she was. And now I'm trying to change who she is, who, she, who God made her to be. Why would I do that? And, and, and I made this little transition in our marriage is I began to celebrate her differences rather than judge her difference. In other words, I was celebrating her uniqueness rather than being critical and condemning. And i got to tell you, it transformed our home and it transformed our marriage. Well, I, I simply began to celebrate the differences rather than condemn, judge the differences. But it brought unity in the marriage relationship. It'll happen the same in the body of Christ. What? We want to value differences instead of judging differences. So bearing with one another means that we're committed to listening and learning from, from one another. We see the value of different gifts, opinions, and positions while we're committed to standing alone for the truth. I say when we, when we truly value people instead of judge people, it's then that we can move toward unity. It's then that we can live out what would be 
God's desire for the church, the body of Christ. So, so we're not working toward uniformity or unanimity. The uniformity is this, that we all look alike. And that's not what we're working for. We're not trying to get everyone to look alike within the Grace Covenant family. Nor are we working toward unanimity, which is like complete agreement across lines. Listen, we're never going to get there. I mean, just take the one issue, political issue. Some of you are going to be Democrats until you die. Some of you are going to be Republicans until you die. That change is not going to happen. So what we find ourselves in two different parties, this is not about all of us being in the same party. It's not about all of us talking the same talk. That's not what we're looking for. What are we looking for? What are we working for? We're working toward this unity. So what's unity? Unity refers to oneness of heart. It's similarity of purpose. It's a commitment to live out love in the midst of our differences. You know, I truly believe, going back to what I said as I began, I truly believe that diversity is by God's design and it's good. Unity, unity is God's desire. That's what God wants for us as a church family. In the midst of our radical diversity, All the different views, all the different perspectives, different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities. In the midst of our diversity, what does God desire of us? He desires unity. But this is what I know. The only way we can get to unity is is we we have to walk out love. So may we be a congregation that doesn't just talk about love, but truly lives love. As Paul defined in 1 Corinthians 13, may our lives be marked by a radical love that naturally brings us to a place of unity. May we operate out of humility. Rather than being fueled by arrogance and pride, may we truly consider the interests of others better than ourselves. Listen, as long as there's arrogance and pride, we're always going to be challenged with unity. Always. May we be those who respect one another, honor one another. Doesn't mean you can't engage in a conversation, a debate. Doesn't mean you can't have differences. But at the end of the day, we need to honor one another. And the words that we speak, how we relate, we want to respect, we want to honor one another. And then may may we truly come to a place that we can celebrate our differences. That we can stand up and dance about our differences. Rather than being condemning and critical. Throwing rocks at others. May we be willing. To work to what God desires. For this, for this family. The Grace Covenant family. But even the larger body of Christ. That we, would, that we would walk out unity. I want to leave you with the words of Jesus going back to John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. One. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Would you pray with me? Lord, I, I thank you for the correction of your word, the guidance of your word. Holy Spirit, I thank you for bringing your word alive in our lives. And Lord, it's really clear 
really clear this morning what's your desire for us in our homes, in this church, the body of Christ at large. Your desire is that we would be one, that we would be united. So, Lord, first we come, Lord, just humbled before you. Lord, repenting, repenting, Lord, in ways and areas and places in our lives where we've been arrogant where we've demanded our rights, where we've been narrow in our thinking, where we've been critical and condemning. Lord, whether it's of another race, whether it's of another political party, maybe it's a different denominational issue, a theological issue. God, forgive us when we have been ugly, when we've been critical, when we've been rock throwers. We just admit that today. What we need this morning, God, is we need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your help. Lord Jesus, help us to love as you love. Help us to walk as you walk, operating out of humility. Holy Spirit, help us to be respectful, honoring in our marriages, in in this body, that we would honor one another. And Holy Spirit, help us to celebrate the differences. Help us to see the differences and to celebrate them, understanding, God, diversity is by your design, and it's good. Uh, What I know today is we need help walking this out. So, Holy Spirit, just, again, take these scriptures, these words... And allow it to settle down into our minds and into our souls in such a way that it changes how we think, how we talk, how we act, how we interact. Or that you might be honored as this your church, Grace Covenant Church, finds great unity in the midst of our diversity. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.